Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Yes, Belly is on now from 9 till 11 on Tuesday mornings, uh, following the breakfast show, which is with myself and Jess tomorrow morning, The Drop. But you are now tuned to Future Sense. And thanks for a couple of your texts there. We heard, first of all, Interplanetary Party just back then from Santana. Didn't know that song. Steve brought that in today. Very good. And Flume, a little piece of a weird thing called Dreamtime. And, uh, of course, The Kinks, great song, time song from back then thanks for your text one text here is just coming from the bay fm page facebook page which you can also communicate with us at two as well as the text line and on the bay fm page it says i was interested to hear you talking about the gravesian theory of evolution i think this is the philosophy of spiral dynamics it's based on that's true yes i did a workshop on it for work uh, for work 30 years ago it changed my life opened my eyes everything made sense people do not necessarily progress through the stages though they can get stuck also true. That's right, and, and it's the progression is related to the complexity of life conditions, and you need tension between where a person is at and the emerging complexity of their life conditions, both internal life conditions like psychology and external life conditions like physical stuff, yes. uh, to actually drive that change further up the spiral. So it just depends on a person's life conditions as to where they become stable and, and sit. Yes, indeed. Oh, thanks for the text. Carlos Santana bends, twists, extends, and slows time via guitar strings. Yes, indeed. Thanks. <laughs> Very good. So we're talking, uh, Steve is going through the, the different stages of the Gravesian model, which is also known in a certain iteration of spiral dynamics. Yes, that is true. And the way that, um, that em- time emerges and our relationship to time in particular emerges uh, through those different layers, through those different windows that we look through as we, as humans and as societies, seek to and do evolve. And uh, as we, uh, we like to say on this show, uh, the future is actually here now. It's just, just not evenly distributed, which I guess is a matter of time itself. And space, absolutely. absolutely. Mm. Um, so we, so far we've uh, gone through layers one through four, and these have all been quite flat concepts till now, so it's been pretty simple for you to represent these on your piece of paper with your pencil. Um, Things are about to get a little tricky (laughs) as we become more complex and expansive. So at uh, layer four, we've had this emergence of polarity represented as two pathways on it from uh, or between our circle and our dot, and those that polarity has set the scene now for the next significant change which in historical terms was the discovery that we're actually living on a globe and we discovered that by yes. setting sail and yes. finding that we ended up coming around in a big circle around the, the globe so yeah. a, our circle has become a 3d circle portuguese did that first exactly and and the that discovery was a, a key aspect of the transition to the fifth layer and the fifth layer being an odd number is another I, me, mine themed number. Uh, Claire Graves in his writings called it multiplistic because he saw it as a key aspect of this particular layer of consciousness. We had a central reference point, but as we looked out 
to our prospects and, and into our future, we saw multiple opportunities. Mm. Whereas at the fourth layer, we only really had two choices. We could go one path, which was the right and recommended path, or the other path, <laughs> which some of us choose <laughs> as well. For which some of you were burnt at the stake in that uh, time. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so layer five at a species level has showed up as the modern scientific industrial way of being human. And at an individual level, layer five emerges again, as I mentioned, if we encounter the right life conditions. And all of a sudden we understand that instead of having to follow this one right way to live and, and you know, back in history in terms of um, work in the early stages of the, the scientific industrial era, that was generally, you know, there was, there was a right thing to do uh, where, because layer four was still quite prominent. And so we, we went to work, got a job, thought about the future, saved our money for the future, blah, 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 yeah. got married, blah, 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 all the, all the things that were kind of standard according to the rule set. But now with uh, the maturity of layer five, we can aspire really to achieve or to be anything we want to be. And it just comes down to our imagination um, in terms of what path we choose to tread. And, and often because of the, the values differences that come from these different layers, you know, the older generations that were still quite shaped by layer four and had fairly rigid values, often they would look at these young kids and say, no, you can't do that. No one's ever done that before. You know, That's not the way we did it in my time, that sorts of things. And you saw these values clash, uh, which, which some of the older listeners wouldn't recognize. And so what happens is our circle pops up off the page and it becomes a globe. And instead of having just two pathways from uh, the, the dot and the circle, which are now the two poles on the globe, so um, we have movement between two polarities. And, and in fact, really the circle is the, the equator around the globe. And so we, we are, our, our dot has become polar, okay? And we've got a positive and a, and a negative aspect or a dark and a light aspect of that dot of origin. And we've got the circle being the equator of the globe. Um, so you can see how this, the, the extra dimensionality mm. and complexity is appearing as we go through these layers. And complexity is really the key here, to, that we do complexify. The old, the old adage that history repeats itself, to talk about time that just does the same circle round and round, is, a, is an older conception because it actually isn't the way things are. We are working more on a spiral as we move forward in time, and that's what's indicated as we, as we grow in consciousness, as we evolve, as we complexify, we are able to receive and accept and understand more of these deeper and broader concepts that are actually moving towards a multidimensionality, you could say. Exactly, we're certainly heading in that direction, and yeah. we'll get there before the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> the singularity comes at 11 o'clock this morning, folks. That's right. Get ready, get ready. <clears throat> so um, we've got multiple pathways between the poles now. And we can, we can really orient ourselves and take whatever pathway is possible for us to get from the pole to the circle and, and back to the other pole. Uh, and so whereas in layer four we had right and wrong and it was very clear, now right and wrong is not really there anymore to be honest with you and if you mm. think about the modern scientific industrial world you can see how we've we perceive this collapse of the clear morality that we used to have yep. in society it's no longer there anymore and it's really it really comes down to your choice what mm. you choose to do uh, and there's no there's lots and lots of gray between the poles mm. lots and lots of gray and no clear right path 
Um, it, it really is up to the individual's choice. It's a sliding scale of suitability, mm. you might say. And, and of and course, you, you see this. Sorry to interrupt there. You yeah. see this reflected in things like the uh, the the the, uh, the range of um, the scale of sexuality, for example. Uh, yes. LGBTQI, yeah. with the extension of not just male female, the polar, but actually that a, a range of sexualities, a range of places that one can sit within that multiplicity in terms of moral, ethical, and other and other parameters. So you can see that that, that that's a complex thing, and it bring it brings its own challenges. So it's not a it's not a, just an immediate like this is a better way to do things. It's like it's an expanded way that also then brings other challenges into the into the mix. Yeah, that's a good. Point actually, because as the circle has popped up into a globe and the, the center point of the circle has, has changed from being a single thing into two poles, mm. you can now sit on the globe in between the poles. Yeah. Right? You don't have to be at the poles, or you don't yeah. have to be clearly in one hemisphere or the other yeah. hemisphere. You can be right in the middle if you want as to. As long be. as it's politically correct. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's getting into layer six. We'll, uh, we'll come yeah, back to that. Definitely. Just, yeah. yeah. So really, it's about finding and following the best path for me and my needs and aspirations. And I say me because it's an I, I mean, my uh, theme here, not a, not a we us our theme. I could play that song, but we've played it several times before. Oh, yeah, show. we have. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, you know Don and, and uh, Don Beck and Christopher yeah. Cowan got that from the Be- the Beatles movie or the Beatles, uh, Beatles song, song, rather. I mean, I mean mine. Yeah. When they spoke about it in this mm. biodynamics training, yeah, and the, the book. So um, we had in layer four this archetypal hero's journey, which was all about following uh, or choosing a path and following it. And if you chose the right path, the good path, and then you were you became the hero. Now, we, because we've got these multiple paths uh, between two poles, uh, that multiplicity gave rise to concepts like Joseph Campbell's hero with a thousand faces, yeah. right? So yes. it wasn't one path for the hero. The path could be on many paths, and so you could have many different faces of the hero mm. around the globe. Uh, and if we look at the kind of movies that came out from this scientific industrial era, uh, the heroes, you think back, not, not the current ones, but back in time to, to when that uh, scientific industrial mindset was more prominent, there was always just one hero in the movie. Yeah. Right? It was just one hero. And usually masculine. Usually masculine, yeah, mm. because I, me, mine is a masculine theme, yes, whereas yeah. we, us, our is a feminine mm. theme. Uh, however, the, the movie heroes often had more than one face. So you think Batman, think Superman, right? It wasn't just a hero with a clear identity. It was this hero switching, a polarity within the heroes, yeah? I like that. Interesting. Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Batman, oh, yeah, Clark yeah. Kent, Superman. Yeah. yeah. So you can see how going back to this graphic representation of the globe with two poles and the, the circle around the equator and the duality, the extra duality that's built into yeah, that. You, you can, can see how it's, even though we've got an individual hero, there's duality within there. Absolutely. Yeah? Well, in a Jungian sense, you've got me and my shadow, basically. You, uh, that's how we are now. It's me do. and my was shadow. It, was that Frank Sinatra who, who sang uh, that? Uh, and, uh, possibly. <laughs> and his, mate, his name, I can't remember. Um, so uh, yes, now we we're we're switching between the poles. So one of the things that comes to from, uh, and I guess this you know, anywhere where we've got uh, a linear path. So really anywhere from layer three onwards, when we're treading a path between the uh, the dot or the circle or the the uh, poles and the equator and the other pole on a globe, there can be a focus on the path itself if we're in a, an I, me, mine 
system, or if we're in a we us our system, then we're more focused on the cyclic aspect and the experience of where we are in the cycle. And if you want to just mix it up slightly more, you could think about the the Earth rotating on its axis as well, which gives you an extra layer of cycle in there. You know, uh, day and night, and the, and the four seasons, and those sorts of things, and coming so we're in layer five which is i me mine and from that masculine viewpoint one really key fear that comes from that is the fear of reaching the end of the path <laughs> the eschaton exactly yes yeah, the end of times the end folks. of time yes eschatology itself is actually virtually is, is a is a, um, a area of scientific well, scientific of of uh, um, academic interest, let's put it that way. Yeah, eschatology. So the study of the end times and that notion that we we project these end times often. Yeah, and it, I think it goes back in in history at least to layer three, and layer three was mm. where the idea of a path from you know one polarity to the other polarity really became clear in our in our experience of life. That uh, what happens when we reach the end, you know, and will there be the opportunity to walk the path again? Uh, whether it's the same path or whether we're in a later layer which has options of different paths mm. um, and the fear of not being able to do that which, which really comes down to the fear of death mm. I guess and that's a very very old fear fear and it, it's very relevant to current times of course with all the, the things that are floating around in current affairs news at the moment and we'll, we'll won't expand on that right now. We'll come back to that yeah. uh, when we talk about layer six. Yes. How are we doing for time, Nick? We're doing okay for time. And thanks for your messages because it's also very interesting that uh, we're, we're talking about this here in early July and uh, talking about the eschaton a few years ago. Of course, many of you would be familiar with December the 21st, 2012, which is the end of the of the Mayan calendar. And, and many, th- many, many people on the planet thought this was going to be a, a key time of energetic change or some huge change change in planetary events uh, occurring and there's nothing obvious but there perhaps was much more subtle things that we're not aware of yet but just to make yourself aware because we've had a text from uh, a good friend of mine Fasumi who's a bit of a a, 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 a mind calendar expert in fact I think she probably is one of the, the people in the world who's an expert and she's just sort of acknowledging uh, the show today in time and also bringing our attention to the day out of time known in the Mayan calendar, which is July 25th, coming up very soon. Actually, actually it was my mother's birthday, July 25th, so there you go, funny funny that. And that day out of time, and the, the beginning of the Mayan calendar on July 26th, which also relates to the heliarchal rising of the planet of the star Sirius with the sun in Egyptian times. And this was a very important timing of that Egyptian culture and the, and the spiritual and mystical culture of those times. So yeah, there's a lot of themes here, and we're, we're obviously today we're sketching and, and playing with time and jumping from one thing to the other, but there you go, stay with us, because there's so many pieces here. Yeah, very interesting. And of course, uh, one of the, I guess, the climaxes of the scientific industrial era was us going to the moon. And what happened then was we, we took ourselves off our central point of reference, which was being here on the globe, mm-hmm. and we were able to look back at it. Yes. So that really set the scene for a further expansion of our consciousness. And really, it was definitely one of the trigger points you know, along the way there. And maybe we'll uh, take a break and come back and talk in, about layer six. Indeed. And uh, thanks to uh, another text, Joan Armour Trading Sings, Me, Myself, I. And she is not selfish. She had another thing. And I'll just read this because uh, it's relevant to layer five we were just talking about, uh, the, 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 multiplic- the multiplicitous uh, aspect of ourselves. This little poem here goes like this. It's called The Paradox of Our Times. Is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers. 
wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but we have less. We have bigger houses but smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts but more problems, more medicines but less wellness. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom and hate too often. We have learnt how to make a living but not a life. We have added years to life but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back but have trouble crossing the street to meet the new neighbour. We have conquered outer space but not inner space. We've cleaned up the air, sort of, but polluted our soul. We've split the atom but not our prejudice. We've higher incomes but lower morals. We've become long on quantity but short on quality. These are the times of tall men and short character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the times of world peace but domestic warfare, more leisure but less fun, more kinds of food but less nutrition. These are the days of two incomes but more divorces, of fancier houses but broken homes. It is a time when there is much in the show window and nothing in the stockroom. And time when technology can bring this letter to you at a time when you can choose either to make a difference or just hit delete. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. 10.16 here on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans through till 11 o'clock. And uh, 11 o'clock sees the arrival of the wonderful Pregnancy Birth and Beyond show. Um, thanks for your texts. They continue to come in here. Uh, someone asks, oh, it's you, hello. Uh, so, on, so on a multidimensional level, are we there yet? I think he's got his tongue in his cheek there, but... <laughs> uh, well, how can we answer that question? Yet, uh, yet, well, yes, yet is a time um, phrase itself, isn't a time word. Yes, I think the answer to that is uh, paradoxical. Mm. And the, the first half of the paradox is that we've always been there. And the second half of the paradox is... We'll never get there. <laughs> we're on our way. Right? <laughs> I hope so. And uh, thanks for this too. I, I think this is a lovely thing. Uh, it's a wacky show in, in, uh, in capitals, W-A-C-K-Y-S-H-O-W. And this person says that stands for watchful, alert, cautious, kindly, yielding, silent, humble, obscure, and waiting. I think that describes us pretty well, actually. Uh, look, uh, I'm, wacky show. I, I, I would agree with you, except I think we need to remember the humble is in there as well. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Um, now, time is completely strange. Another quote quickly from Albert Einstein. When you're courting a nice girl, an hour seems like a second. When you sit on a red-hot cinder... A second seems like an hour. That's relativity. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, that's very appropriate because we're just about to talk about layer six, mm. which is relativistic. Yeah. And so um, we're moving from the I, me, mine theme at layer five now back to a communal we, us, our theme. And you can call the communal themes feminine also, that's appropriate, and the individual themes masculine. And this is an emerging theme within society and uh, around the world. And as such, it hasn't reached its maturity yet, so we can't really fully understand it until it does so. However, what we can say is that we've seen traces of it emerging since at least the mid-1800s. It's very humanistic. 
it's often characterised by focusing on uh, civil rights, um, social justice, those sorts of things. It's very network centric. It's very much about rebuilding community again mm. because we we had the individual layer five, which kind of deconstructed community in many senses of the the word, and. Uh, it's uh, for, because of our wonderful technology, which has come out of Layer 5, Layer 6 is also going to be quite network-centric and taking advantage of that technology to connect us not just locally but globally as well with like-minded souls. At a personal level, uh, often this movement to Layer 6 is characterised by a desire to, to bail out of the industrialised society and the life conditions associated with that and to reconnect with nature. It's showing up as people wanting to live in a more decentralized way. So people are kind of moving out of the cities. The, the terms sea change, tree change have cropped up to describe that phenomena. And uh, people want to live within trusted community and they want to be connected with trusted networks on a global sense. Mm. So if you're following us graphically and have your pencil ready there, uh, what you can do is take that globe, the three-dimensional globe that you've got, layer five with the two poles and the multiple pathways and the circle around the, the um, equator, and you can duplicate that. So now we have uh, multiple pathways on multiple worlds. And as I said uh, previously, the trip to the moon and looking back at our world and realizing that, okay, we're just on this one globe and we're not uh, the only globe out there. We went to another globe, a small one, which was our moon. And so that so opened up uh, us psychologically to this concept of multiple worlds uh, that's played out as uh, people thinking about multiple lifetimes also. So not just physical uh, duplication, but also mm. uh, that, that would be duplication in space, but also duplication in time as well. Mm. Uh, so, so we have multiple lifetimes on multiple worlds. Or also the idea has also entered the zeitgeist, which is, means the time spirit, the zeitgeist uh, of um, multiple realities, multiple universes, which has come through quantum physics and, uh, and various branches of that. And also I think it's just speaking about the moon and how the overview effect, as it's called, of us being our off-planet, seeing the planet uh, landing on the moon, is, is one step, but uh, but also the, in your diagram, you've now got perhaps a series of different circles uh, that are interrelated. They can be different sizes. And this, of course, is, is like the solar system and, and the stars. And, and in, a, in another way, of course, we are deeper and deeper into an engagement with uh, the solar system at the very least, I think more and more people, because of our science and because of our, our excursions, because of the satellites and the exploratory things we do there out in our, in our near space environment. So that consciousness is replicated in that, uh, in that representation as well, isn't it? That notion that, oh, there, there are these other planets and they have an orbit and we're not the centre of the universe and the sun is the centre of the solar system, but even it is not the centre of the universe. We don't even know exactly where the, well, we sort of know where the centre of the universe is perhaps, but yeah, so that expansion of understanding is, is part of this, isn't it, of, of, of the cosmos. Yeah, some of what you said there is, is uh, moving into layer yes. seven also. Layer six, because it's still in the first tier of consciousness and it's still dominated by the rational mind, there's still a relative flatness uh, in the description and an, mm. and uh, mm. of course uh, people who've been listening can obviously see how we're getting more expanded concepts of space and time as we go through the layers mm. at layer six um, we we are certainly 
uh, aware of our position within the solar system and our relationship to the other planets, and that shows up in some of the things, the ideas that have come out of layer six thinking, like uh, a sort of an expanded understanding of astrology and, and those sorts of things, and our, our focus, our exploration focus, uh, after going to the moon in layer five, has mainly been on the other planets within, within our own solar system, uh, as layer six has sort of swung into action. And it's really, we need to, to get into uh, second tier to really go beyond, start thinking beyond um, that relational um, understanding or concept of Earth versus Venus, Earth versus Mars, and, and those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, and I think the, the, a, a more complete understanding of the solar system as a unit moving through mm. the galaxy really emerges at layer mm. seven. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Um, but you can, just following on from what you said, if we think of those globes uh, as kind of 3D cogs that are touching each other, and so when one rotates, it in influences the rotation of the other. And if you imagine that one globe is bigger than the other globe, then it's going to rotate at a different speed. And so you're going to get one complete cycle on the smaller globe before one cycle completes on the larger globe. And what that gives us is relative time. Yeah. And relative time is a concept that came out of layer six thinking. So when Einstein came up with his theory of relativity, he was clearly thinking from this layer mm. six. And quite early, I mean, that's that's the thing with those kind of thinkers and in his particular field of, of, uh, of, that, of science on that level, he was clearly thinking ahead of his time, which is why he was ahead of his time and exactly. why he's remembered and known and why, why Einstein's work is still the foundation for much of, of the deeper and quantum physics that we, that we know now. Although, of course, his theories uh, have been expanded in some of his uh, uh, conundrums of his work, the spooky action at a distance, for example, is actually being resolved in the next generation, the next evolution of us, and that's coming forth now. Yeah, I, I was listening uh, just recently to one of Cryon's uh, latest podcasts or audio um, segments that they put out on the cryon.com website. Um, I, I don't think they've got it on a podcast platform yet, but that's something they could really do to, to get the word out there a little better. And this one was a, a it wasn't a channeled message. It was a, like a seminar that Lee Carroll, who's the, the guy that normally speaks on behalf of Cryon, and Monica Muriani, who's a, an, an Aussie lady who uh, travels around and works with Lee, uh, they were talking in front of a crowd and it, and it was basically a question and answer session. It was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend that and maybe I'll, I'll get a link and tweet that. Yes, yes, we'll tweet that. Uh, and we'll post it on Facebook mm. from our Future Sense Twitter and Facebook accounts. And uh, he at one point, Lee Carroll at one point, was talking about Einstein and particularly uh, identifying some of Einstein's resistance to quantum mechanics as as the theory of quantum mechanics started to emerge and and Einstein you know having come from this place of understanding relativity from layer six when he started to bump into the quantum mechanics stuff which is really mm -hmm. layer seven stuff initially he pushed back he didn't, yes. didn't really want to know about it yeah uh, so that's that's really interesting it's interesting to reflect on stuff like that if we look at our media you know the characters that we've created in our tv shows and movies mm. during the time that layer six has been emerging we'll notice that they're rather than being individual heroes who might have two faces uh, as in layer five now we get heroic teams yeah? mm. and often heroic teams who travel through time and or space mm. yeah so you think of things like star trek star wars mm. uh, doctor who mm. the movie inception those sorts of things where we are traveling not as a heroic individual but as a heroic team mm. and our quest takes us through time and space and sometimes 
both. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at movies, even like The Matrix, which is a, a single hero, the one, Neo, and yet Neo has to work within a team. The team is essential. That He has to be sort of brought into the team and awakened within the team. And similarly, you could say with a movie like Avatar, uh, you know, it's a slightly different configuration from what you're saying, but there's a, there's a relationship there. Yeah, it's, it's there, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Avatar is a little like the movie Inception. So, you know, they right. get put in the pods and they go into what is like a virtual world, a dream world, mm-hmm. uh, where they become avatars, you know, in this other place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Inception, of course, was, was uh, traveling as a team through people's dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. layers of dreams and popping from one layer out it was very very interesting yeah and i guess all the superhero thing we've seen the the uh, the marvel comic series of superheroes where the, the one the spider-man and this man that all the others but in the last movies in those series it's all about the collective team the 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 um what are they called the like the Master of the Universe, whatever they call it. I don't know, I'm not familiar with the, yeah. with the comics enough, but you know that the notion of the team of superheroes comes towards the end. It's not one person. It's not one hero that wins or, or ends up surviving. It's the team that actually must survive. And some are lost, of course, because that's what happens. But yeah. 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 Uh, and even though in some of these movies and TV shows, you know, we're traveling through time and space, there's still we're still very much to this uh, sorry, tied to this concept of multiple worlds. Mm. So we, whatever we travel to ends up being, you know, quite similar to our current circumstances on Earth, on, you know, on a planet, those sorts of things, traveling to another planet. Wherever you go, you take yourself there, basically. That's what that means. Yeah, so so there's there's an inherent limitation in that, which we'll sort of unpack mm. in Layer 7. Mm. Uh, thanks for your text, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope within my lifetime, talking about the interplanetary, I hope within my lifetime I can take a holiday to Kepler uh, 186F. Somehow I think it's not going to happen. Mm. Kepler 186F might be a nightmare, not a holiday. Laugh out loud. And someone else has written, um, don't understand that one. Let's take a break. That's <laughs> the wonderful thing about being immediate. And you, you can talk to us here as we are as we are speaking of the texts that are arriving on our computer. 0437341119. And also while I'm at it too, Steve has already meant, mentioned our Facebook page, which is a Future Sense page. Uh, and our Twitter account is at Future Sense Show, and our website is futuresense.it, which is essentially just a portal to the podcasts. And you can also communicate with us through the bayfm.org program page, Future Sense program page. Uh, there you can you can uh, link up then and also listen to uh, the, the the raw footage, so to speak, of this show. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. It's 10.36 here on Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald through to 11 o'clock. Pregnancy, birth and beyond is there then. We're talking a little today about time and timing as it's approached through the evolution of human consciousness. And there's so much to talk about here and we can't even begin to touch on everything. And I'm sure you have much input and it's, it's good to open up the conversation about our relationship to time. There's a really interesting article in Scientific American recently and it's called How We Make Sense of Time. Um, summarized, it's about um, that humans everywhere use spatial metaphors, and Steve's alluded to this too, that it's about space-time. It's not time independent from space, very important, as we conceive it right now. Humans everywhere use spatial metaphors to think about time, but the specifics differ from culture to culture. Even alone in our thoughts, we think of time as space, leaning on brain areas known to play a role in spatial understanding. That's interesting. Culture plays a large role in determining which metaphors we use. The direction of the written word 
has an especially strong influence. So that's very interesting. And in this article has a diagram, uh, which way is tomorrow, and looking at within cultures uh, how the, uh, the way that the language is written uh, influences the way that we actually see time. In English and many others, of course, uh, past seems to be behind us and the future is in front of us. And we talk about walking forward in English um, and many others also. Uh, the past is left and the future is rightward since we write that way across the page. Uh, in Hebrew, on the other hand, the past is rightward and the future is leftward uh, to do with the writing direction. In Mandarin, of course, uh, the past is above and the future is below, which is reflected also, I guess, in the I Ching, in the, in the trigrams. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in uh, South America, in Amara and in Vietnamese, the past is in front and the future behind, but the past is known and seen and the future is unknown and unseen, which is similar to us, I suppose. And this is an interesting one, the Yupnau, they, the, the Scientific American in this piece of research, they went to the Yupnau Valley, which is in Papua New Guinea. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. You How do you spell that? Y-U-P-N-O. Did mm. you fly over the Yupnau? Oh, I may well have, through? I don't remember that name. So they talked there to the Yupnau people about understanding the concepts of past, present, and future, as these ideas are universal, or are they? Are they just products of our language, of our culture, and our environment? And that's also an interesting question, which we can't answer right now. But because uh, if you ask English speakers, as I said there, about the difference between yesterday and tomorrow, they might thrust a hand over their shoulder when referring to the past. You can imagine you're sort of throwing your thumb back over your, as I'm doing now, over your left shoulder. You can see that. Um, and when looking forward to the future, they, they gesture forward. So it's in the gesticulation too, not just in the written language. And that's quite quite clear. And we talk about, uh, in English, leaving something behind, which is in the past, and that the future is in front of us. So we can look forward to something. And they questioned the Yupno speaker. His name was Dander about this. And he did the same sort of thing in terms of yesterday, sweeping his hand backwards and, his, and for tomorrow um, sort of gesturing forwards until they had to change the camera angle in this particular shoot and realize that uh, they had to reverse it and face up the hill, at which point... Um, he started to gesture that the the past was in front of him and the future behind him. And that was actually to do with that the future was actually up the hill. The future was seen as an ascension in some sense, which is a different angle again. So again, these things are not fixed in our cultures. They, they, are, they are different. We're not, we don't all relate to time in the same way. That's pretty clear. The Hopi, uh, the Native American Hopi tribe were conceived at one time that they had no spatial metaphors in language. And I remember something a long time ago, someone said that the Hopis have this conception where when someone leaves the tribe, they uh, de-manifest, they are gone. They're not spoken of. There's no time that is elapsed between when they left the tribe and when they come back. But when they come back, they're immediately received and accepted as if they never went again, never went away. So an extraordinary sort of different perception of of of, uh, of time and space, in fact. So, of course, all these things, um, I think, uh, as we grow forward into a global community, we are starting to see, receive, and understand and know some of these other conceptions of time. Of course, in Australia, being NADOC week in particular, and acknowledge that again, that uh, this is a period where we are, to some degree, in my view, beginning finally to understand, maybe not understand, but to accept the dream time. The notion that uh, time has a, has a completely different uh, quality to other people, including the most ancient civilization on the planet, the Aboriginal people of this country, that their relationship to time is something else again, and is, as Steve was articulating before, on one hand, uh, certainly related to and articulated by the that system of, of tribal that we talked about in Layer 2 in Graves' work, 
and the, uh, the the myths that emerge out of there, the, the sense-making myths, the meaning-making myths that emerge, the creation myths that emerge out of those cultures that are still relevant to those people with regard to the landscape, to the earth itself today, to the rhythms of the land, of the place of land, to place, that time is related to place, and to the walking of the land, to the walkabout, to the song lines. All these concepts are actually quite deep understandings of time but very different to ours and I think in this time of, as we move into the era that we're now in there's there's a lot more understanding growing in many people not all of course of these these other conceptions of time and how they might complexify and enrich our creativity and our relationship to each other and to the to the uh, to the, the whole world in fact to the natural world yeah, I think it's appropriate to say, given that it's NADOC week, that one of the great shortcomings of the modern scientific industrial view of uh, ancient indigenous spirituality is that it overlooks the relationship between the the culture and the individuals mm. and the the space on which or within which yes. they lived as well, the which which was the sacred land, right? right? Uh, which point. is this this circular cyclic aspect, mm. and by mm. removing people from their known space, uh, then we really uh, disconnected them from their spirituality, and that's one of the the perhaps most foundational aspects of the problem that that you know was created for those societies, and the problem that needs to be resolved at this time in history and it, and it gives us a clue a signpost as to what we need to address and it's starting to be addressed with uh, you know the the whole land rights issue and allow, giving people you know rights uh, to uh, occupy their traditional lands again but there you know that's that's just a first step i mean there's a much deeper richer um, spiritual aspect that needs to be restored or or in and in many cases it can't be fully restored because the land's been occupied it's been changed it's, it has us uh, you know like a different um, civilization different cultures living on it so, yeah so so uh, we we need we actually need to take the highest perspective that we can on this from a consciousness point of view uh, to somehow rejuvenate our indigenous spirituality and taking into account all of the the most complex perspectives on space-time that we can, you know, to, to let that happen or help mm. that happen. Yeah. And I guess as you're speaking, uh, what I'm hearing is uh, the um, conjoining, the, the, the syzygy, favourite word of mine, that is emerging, the synchronicity between uh, those, that realisation, that, that early stage, that naive uh, rendering and understanding of Indigenous culture, for example, and our complex science and how somehow these two worldviews are much closer together than they were even 20 years ago, I think, seen. And certainly now understanding that perhaps quantum physics gives us a, a way to describe from our rational mind the, uh, scientifically somehow uh, the relationship to to nature, to everything that is uh, that is embedded in indigenous cultures often, this, this deeper cycle of cycles, interconnectivity, I guess is what I'm talking about here. Yeah, this yeah. We, we radical talk, inter, interconnectivity. Absolutely, we can talk about this for ages, but <laughs> yeah. you know, some of, the, some of the complicating factors in how different civilizations have displaced indigenous people and, mm -hmm. and thereby um, heavily impacted their capacity to practice their spirituality yes. is you, you think back to the layer two description where um, the, the whole conceptual universe is about the point of origin and this this uh, static circle cycle right which which has happened forever and will continue forever and so 
um, you look at the later layers, which was were the ones responsible for moving and uh, you know bringing the concept of motion uh, into the universe of, of that particular way of, of being human. And of course, the the motion disturbs the the pure spiritual aspect of the circle in the center, um, and it's something that is foreign, different, more complex than anything indigenous societies has encountered and and this is uh i'm talking very conceptually now so i'm not implying that indigenous societies didn't move move around of course they did physically but just from the in terms of the the raw concepts of space-time of how things move in cycles and were um everything was about referring to the cycle or referring to the cycle in relation to the point of origin yeah yeah Uh, so there are yeah there are lots and lots of complex factors there are indeed. And thanks for more texts, um, melodies, and another regular listener she's written in. So we left. So we left-handers are behind in the past, according to Western writing. Uh, and she says, actually, I actually write upwards. So that's probably good if you write upwards. You're going against the grain. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's not all about Western writing, though. There is such a thing as Western lefting. So you're okay. <laughs> well, I like that. Somehow or other. I mean, the interesting notion of, because we, we challenge consistently on this show, I think the idea of line, linearity, the, the straight line, the, um, the cause and effect as, as uh, the materialist, materialist um, era of our, scientific materialist era of our nature has, um, has um, dominated us, this linear notion. And of course, that linear notion is, in terms of time, is very set in many cultures. Um, the idea that temporal sequences are like cues of people is found, for example, in uh, Tamil in in uh, in, um, in India, in the Maori in New Zealand, in, in the Greenlandic in Greenland, and the Sesotho in South Africa, where the idea that spring follows winter can be expressed as spring is in the footprints left by winter. So clearly, most of our cultures have this linear approach, and yet, uh, not just. There's always this other multi-dimensional aspect that comes in mythology, in narratives, in storytelling and in the spiritual practices of all cultures somewhere that breaks that linear linearity. I guess all healing, in a, in a sense, is trying to break the cause and effect uh, paradigm and, and cut in with, a, with, a, with a, 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 another dimensional approach to healing, that you can interrupt the supposed flow of dis- dis-ease by uh, some module or moment that where where things can actually shift beyond the, the paradigm that you're actually in. If you know what I'm saying, I think we know what I'm saying. We probably should dive into the momentous leap in consciousness. So okay, let's dive into, into the last few minutes before, yeah, go. We, before we wind up. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. 10.49 here on Future Sense, Steve and Nick through till 11. And we're talking about concepts of time and space and how they change as we move through the different layers of development or evolution as a species. And we are going to talk now about the momentous leap in consciousness, which Claire Graves described from his research, where we move beyond this second tier. Oh, sorry, we move beyond the first tier of uh, human consciousness into this second tier uh, which is, in Graves' own words, a momentous leap in the, the most significant shift in human consciousness mm-hmm. in the history of uh, humanity. So we're, we have uh, come to layer six, and in layer six we've developed an awareness of, quite rich awareness actually, multiple inner realities. Uh, altered states of consciousness have uh, enabled that, and also our physical 
with or our representations of physical reality through our fantasies and, mm. and stories, yeah. television shows, movies, yes. and those sorts of things. And it's from this rich relativistic perspective that we have opened the potential now to the realization of multi-dimensionality but within our physical world and our everyday life our waking life okay and it's that that we're moving to as we go through this momentous leap in consciousness so layer seven is the first bus stop in second tier and it's an i me mine system so it has a masculine theme however it's unlike any previous i me mine theme in that for the first time we have left right brain synchronization and we spoke about that uh, on our previous show this synchronizing of the left and right brain whereas in the first tier we've been alternating between a left brain bias which would be a masculine focus and a focus on the linear path of life in in terms of space-time concepts and we would flop between that and the right brain focus which is feminine themed and focused on the cyclic experience uh, of life in, in terms of space-time concepts. So now those two things become equally accessible yeah. in the moment. Yes, and of course that's, a, I guess, a result of the global conception of being global citizens on this planet to one degree or other. So we can actually, we, we've set that sort of template of being able to see ourselves as on one globe in order for that next layer to emerge perhaps and, and integrate the two aspects, which hopefully might even start to solve um, the the big issues between men and women on this planet. We hesitate to predict that, but uh, it's the the capacity that suggest comes, that. Yeah, the capacity that comes with layer seven is mm. off the scale. It is is like a, a quantum leap in terms of its increasing capacity. So it has the promise to um, really enable many many things which we don't see as possible right now yeah. and solve many of our very very complex problems, which is pretty good actually. Indeed. So. Layer 7 is yet to emerge globally in any significant way. Obviously, Claire Graves found a few people during his research and he gathered his data and during mostly during the 1950s. Very small percentage of people within his, his uh, participant set, but there were some. Uh, and uh, we are yet to really see this emerge globally, so we can't really point to a country or a city at this point that's operating... Um, according to layer seven principles and themes but there are enough people out there and we do have enough evidence to talk about it in a simple way uh, it's its expression is less mature than layer six because layer six itself still hasn't achieved global dominance and so this is really a first glance description and to give you an example of, of um, a kind of a first glance description say that you are an extraterrestrial visiting earth and you popped in and uh, flew around in your spaceship and the first human you saw was a small child and so you reported back to your home planet that you found this uh, strange being on the planet that you're visiting called Earth and you gave a description of, of the nature of this child, what they look like, their size and all those sorts of things and a lot of the themes there would be, you know, they would they would stand even in an expansion observation of the human race. I mean, you know, the child's got two legs and two arms and a head and you know, kind of general behavior is similar, but you're really not capturing the maturity or, you know, in terms of your understanding of humanity. And in the same way, we haven't captured the maturity, even of layer six yet, not the full maturity. Yeah. And we certainly haven't 
understood or captured the maturity of layer seven. So, so this is a really yes. first glance. But yes. what we're talking about in a graphic sense, we're going back to your pencil, pencil and paper now, uh, would be, so we've got uh, multiple globes and they're sort of uh, synced like a bunch of uh, three-dimensional cogs mm. on your piece of paper there. And each globe has two poles and it's got multiple pathways between the poles and it has a circular equator. And now what's going to happen is, and I don't uh, feel bad if you can't, represent this with your pencil but uh, all of that's got to lift itself up off the paper uh, and become multi-dimensional then imagine the spinning globes and the pathways uh, lifting up off the paper and creating a very very complex uh, spiraling pattern of uh, multi-dimensional globes that are moving vertically up through space yeah and and even that's, even that's too simple because you know the the globes have um have slight anomalies in their axis so they're not spinning exactly on the axis there are extra circles being created you know if if we talk about the uh our solar system which is a, a good way of really getting a, a graphic understanding of this in your mind at least is for years we've been taught about how many planets in the solar system and how they all rotate around the sun and in school we looked at like a diagram of that at least in, in when i went to school and nick went to school we, we saw it as the kind of sun sitting still and all these planets moving in circle uh, around the sun but what we now know is that our sun is actually spiraling through our galaxy all of our planets are spiraling around and following the sun as it spirals through the galaxy and so we've actually got this complex spiraling motion so you imagine all well, you, you you kind of this is this globes is, leaping up off your paper. In, this in this is some kind of some kind of uh, of uh, ride in a in a in a future theme park. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, think, I'm, think, so I'm thinking. I'm sure. Here. I'm sure it is. I'm <laughs> sure it is. Yeah. And if you can't get your head around it, don't worry because it's, <laughs> we you know, can't either. It's well, I can't. Probably even more complex than I've tried to describe there. Um, but uh, the main thing is that we're getting a multi-dimensional uh, aspect to this that wasn't there before, and it's not just a, an imagined or a, an inner uh, inner self dreamt. Uh, multi-dimensionality it's a it's a physical multi-dimensionality as well and from this perspective of layer seven we can for the first time ever observe study interact with in a conscious way the previous concepts of space-time so all of the previous layers as we've moved through layers one through six each time we've moved we've become immersed in whatever our most dominant layer is and usually we've rejected the space-time concepts of the previous layers as being wrong in favor of our new discovered newly discovered concept yeah, yeah. we're going to leave it there folks thanks for joining us here today and as we've said already you can you know, tune into our podcast which is an edited podcast in a couple of days or so at futuresense.it that's the website thanks for the last text here perhaps beyond the event horizon are universes without the dimensions of time space and mass and with dimensions beyond our understanding yeah. Yep. And don't uh, don't be worried that we had to cut that short or cut short the uh, description of layer seven. They will cover it in a later. There's show. plenty we'll, of time. We'll do more. There's lots yeah. of time, or not much. One of the two. I mean, we're both. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.